Good morning, everyone. Just a couple of other uh, congregational notes. Uh, last night, we were at the Little Theater in Sullivan to see a Christmas carol, and Denton Marner did a great job. Denton is a part of that, so if you get the chance this week, get over there and, uh, and see that and see Denton. Uh, good job, Denton. Uh, another thing that you might have seen on Facebook this morning is Joe Gingrich is, uh, was recognized last night. It was last night, right? Or Friday night. Uh, 25 years in the Arts and Fire Department. And we were talking down in the foyer. And uh, Michael mentioned another detail. In 25 years, he has only missed two fire meetings. That is amazing. Let's give Joe a hand. Thank you, Joe, for your service. And... <clears throat> Thank you, Joe, for all of your service and uh, all those years. Well, on this third Sunday of Advent, we, of course, realize that Christmas is getting closer. And uh, our theme during this Advent season has been, how will we know? So how will we know that Christmas is getting closer? Well, of course, the calendar says so. But I think we all know that it seems like every night there's, what, a Christmas party or program or something to go to. And uh, so that's another reason that we know but I hope that even in the midst of all the busyness that this month holds for us, I hope that uh, we will be able to embrace all of those things and uh, what the Christmas story, what this time of year truly means for us as Christians. Because as we recall the Christmas story, we're reminded uh, to ask ourselves, what will God do next? And that's the, uh, that's the message title for this morning. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to the first chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to read verses 46 to 55 this morning. But before we do that, I'd like to bring these verses here into a little bit of context for us by sharing what happened a little bit earlier here in the verses before this in chapter 1. Beginning in verse 26, the angel Gabriel shows up in the Galilee town of Nazareth. And tells Mary that she has found favor with God and that she is going to become pregnant with a son. And Mary's confused. Because Mary is confused because she is a virgin. But the angel tells her that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon her and bring forth the Son of God. Which will be named Jesus. And then following that life-changing and world-changing encounter with the angel Gabriel. Mary travels south to the hill country of Judea. Um, to see and visit Elizabeth. Who is pregnant at the same time with John the Baptist. Who we talked about last Sunday. So when Mary arrives, Elizabeth says to her. She says, blessed are you, Mary among women. And blessed is the child you will bear. And then that brings us to these verses of 46 to 55, which is uh, Mary's song of praise. Often people real, will re refer to this as, as the Magnificat. And um, it was named that by the Roman church because of, the, of a Latin word in the very first verse here... Um, of this song when Mary says, my soul 
magnifies the Lord. Uh, as time went on, other translations began to change that word. And so I don't know what your translation has today, but um, some, instead of magnify, will say glorify. So, um, but this is really a song or a prayer of Mary as she thinks about this call that has come to her to carry and deliver the Messiah to the entire world or for the entire world. Imagine that upon your life. If you would have been Mary. The first part of this is praise and thanksgiving. The last part is talking about God's activity in the world. Uh, in more general terms. In other words, what's God going to do next? And so uh, let's read uh, verses 46 to 55. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. But he has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things. But he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel. Remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever and ever. Just as he promised our ancestors. <clears throat> if, you, uh, if you are a history buff, which I know... Some of you are here in the congregation. You probably have heard about many of the revolutions that have taken place in the world over, the, the hist over history. And if you research that, it is amazing how many countries in our world have actually had revolutions. In fact, it's, it's probably more likely that there have been more that have had revolutions than haven't in the course of time. One of the articles that I came across ranked those revolutions uh, in the world. And so, you know, uh, what is one, number, what is number one, what is number two? The American Revolution was number two. The French Revolution is number one. And uh, then, of course, there is the Great Reformation, which is, was the theological revelation, uh, revolution that took place some 500 years ago in Europe. And, you know, much good and bad could probably be said about all of those different revolu revolutions. But the main thing that they brought forth was radical change. Um, things like the Declaration of Independence that we have in the United States. And then the Great Reformation, of course. Uh, with the Great Reformation in Europe came forth the translation of God's word into all of the different languages of the world over time. And of course there are many other changes in the life of the church. That came about as because of that. And yet. Many people say that these words of Mary. In this song. Are some of the most revolutionary words. That have ever been spoken. She is saying that. The Messiah is coming to reorganize, reorganize the way 
things work in this world. The mighty will be brought low. While the humble and the lowly are going to be exalted. Many years ago, um, William Temple, who is an archbishop of Canterbury, warned the missionaries that they had sent out to India that they should never read these verses of Mary, uh, of Mary's song in public. The Christians in that uh, country were put under a microscope in the first place, and he thought, you know, if these words were read, they are, they're so inflammatory and they're so revolutionary that they would, all, you know, all the Christian missionaries would be forced to leave, leave the country if they shared them. You see, what, what this is saying is that God, through the Messiah, is about to bring forth a complete reversal of all worldly values. When the establishment hears these words, of course, they don't bring comfort. But we deep down, we know that they are true. And really, they are, they are needed. And they represent the kingdom of God, which is much different than the kingdom of this world. Not only, of course, in Je when Jesus came, not only did his life confirm these things with his words, but his life was also an example of them as well. What Isaiah said in chapter 61 that we heard read earlier was coming to pass. Isaiah talked about the good news proclaimed to the poor. Relief for those who are held captive and brokenhearted. Comfort for all those who mourn. Peace and shalom to all those who turn to the Lord. I think we all need to hear that this morning. And we, we need to allow God to bring his wholeness to our lives. We are broken we are sinful and we are needy before the Lord. All of us in different ways. And he is the one who can make things right. He is the one who can make things whole again. And maybe it's a relationship in your life. Maybe it is some kind of fear that you are dealing with in your life. Maybe it's being delivered from... Uh, an addiction or something like that. Whatever is broken and not right. Jesus can restore and make you whole again in his name. That's the gift that we celebrate during this Christmas season. We look forward to how Christ can change us. How Christ can change our situation. And, of course, change our world as well. We all, I think, know that we live in a society that values answers over questions. We, uh, we want results over going through the process. We uh, want to get to the destination without going through the journey. And, uh, but Scripture invites, invites us, actually, to, to, to sit with God. To ask those questions. And then to wait and see what God is going to do next. 
God wants us to be honest before him and share our hearts with him. And how will we know that God will show up? How do we know that God is going to move in those times? Well, like Mary, we look to what God has done in the past. Most of these verses here begin that way, actually. He has, is how a lot of them begin. He has done these things in the past, and we trust that he will do them again. And, you know, Jesus, whom we celebrate at Christmas, can help us uh, to rejoice in God's comfort, to, to catch God's vision of peace and shalom in this world, and to join the Holy Spirit, who is already at work restoring us, as well as his creation. I think that, you know, is one of the key things uh, for us to, to take from this song of Mary this morning. Yes, this is God at work in us through the Messiah Jesus. But it is also a call for followers of Jesus to bring forth this revolutionary upside down kingdom while we live here on this earth. It is revolutionary, really. But not in the sense of war and and violence. It is revolutionary as we compare it to the ways of the world. Some of you may remember the book that Don Crable wrote some years ago. Mennonite Don Crable by 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 that exact title. The Upside Down Kingdom. And it was about Mary's song, actually. At least that's how he mentions it in the very first few pages of his book. Um, in chapter 1. And of course, he also ties it to the radical message of Jesus in the Sermon of the Mount in uh, Matthew 5 through 7. And if we, are, if we are truthful with ourselves, we understand that that Sermon of Jesus is radical and it's revolutionary, just like these words of Mary are. But how many of us actually pattern our lives around it? In a you know, materialistic Western world, we have to be very intentional about these things. Or we just end up looking a whole lot like the world. It's not to call out to anyone about any specific thing. Because, you know, we all have areas on this that, that we probably need to think about. But if we follow Jesus and, and we are concerned about bringing his restoration and his wholeness to our world. Then the pattern to follow is that of Jesus Christ. In that book, this is how Don Crable describes it. He says, the corporate life of the people of God will be visible and external. These are folks who engage in conspicuous sharing, sharing that stands out. We practice jubilee. Generosity replaces consumption and accumulation. Our faith wags our pocketbooks. We give without expecting return. We forgive freely 
as God forgave us. We overlook the signs of stigma hanging from the unlovely. Genuine compassion for the poor moves us. We serve instead of dominate. If we are to bring all of that down to one word, that word probably would look most like love. We must love who we are in Jesus first and foremost, and then we must love others in the way that Jesus loves them. Even those who are hard to love must be shown the love of Jesus. It's radical, it's revolutionary, but it is the gospel of Jesus. Mary um, here realizes her role in this plan, but her song, it's also a reminder that we are a part of this future generation that will receive the mercy of God, the, the blessings of God, and the peace of God through Jesus. Things that we, of course, greatly need as we face the many disappointments that this world throws at us. And so perhaps our prayer with Mary would be, Lord, we don't understand all of this, but we need you. We need you now. Show us what you're going to do next. I had to think about that this week, about what it looks like to love people like God loves people. So often, you know, that looks different than the way the world talks about love or the way that the world loves people. When, when Jesus loves people, there's no selfish gain involved. There's no pretense or, um, or uh, certain things that uh, certain requirements that are there. There's no condemnation. His mercy is available to all people. In the Message Bible, verse 50 here of Mary's song actually says it this way. It says, His mercy flows in wave after wave. If you've ever been to the ocean, you know that you can stand out there on the beach for 24 hours and that just continues, the waves continue to keep on rolling in. And that's how God's love works. It never ends. Some years ago, Mother Teresa um, visited a very nice place that was dedicated to the housing of uh, an education of at-risk boys. And so the staff, when she got there, the staff showed her around and, you know, they had very impressive grounds and wonderful facilities they had there. And then at the end of the tour, she turned to one of the staff people and she said, you, you all have, you know, all of this great stuff, impressive facilities, nice things. But she said, do you really love those boys? Do you really love the boys? Sounds just like something she would say, doesn't it? It's more about people than things. That's a great concept for us to remember during this Christmas season. It's more about people 
than the things. What God says, what, what Mary says, and then what Jesus says is that there is value in each and every person. We often fall into that thing that the world falls into where, you know, we view the rich and the famous as being blessed and, and powerful. But this text makes it clear that, that our standing with God has nothing to do with power with social standing, the balance of our checkbooks or mutual funds, or where we live. What, is it, what it does make clear is that God honors the humble, the poor, and the ones whom the world so often ignores. Of course, if there's one thing that's very clear in the gospel accounts of Jesus, it's that he wants to bring mercy and grace and restoration and wholeness to people. And he's also clear about wanting us as his followers to, to do that as well. You know, to be participants in that. Revolutions, as we know, they are often about freedom. And that's exactly what Mary is envisioning here in this song and in this prayer. And... To be honest with you, some of these words are not always easy to hear, just like Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Um, you know, when we consider our, our own situations and, and circumstances in this world. He scatters the proud, it says. He brings down the mighty. He sends the rich away empty. He lifts up the humble. He fills the hungry with good things and his mercy extends to those who fear him. I sometimes think about the fact that, you know, I was born into a fairly easy and good situation here in the United States. And most of us can say that. Most of us were. But what about those who are not so fortunate to be born here or to be born into an easier life? What about those in the poor areas of, of Africa or the children in India who just walk the streets on their own? What about those who are born in the Middle East with all of the war and violence that they experience in their lifetime? <clears throat> with that said, of course, there are some concerns here in our own country as well. Uh, we should not be so proud to think that, <laughs> that we have solved it all and, uh, here in the U.S., we do have our problems and we do have our things, but we do have it easier than most others in our world. All of these things this morning remind us that we need to be the hands and feet of Jesus in any way possible. I mean, if this is how Jesus sees the world and, and what Mary is saying then, then it's what we should do and it's what we should be about. And so how can we participate? Or how can we continue to be a part of this radical call of Jesus on our lives? It really begins with how we view the world. You know, do we see the things as the world sees them? Or do we see them as Jesus sees them? As God sees them? Or as Mary and Isaiah have proclaimed them here?
Because that perspective, that is what is going to guide our response. And I'm, you know, I'm talking to myself this morning as much as I am to anyone else. When it comes to those in prison, those who are addicted to various things, to refugees who are fleeing difficult and dangerous situations, to the poor, how do we view those people, those needs? Do we view them politically, selfishly, worldly? Or do we think about them in a godly, Christ-centered, and biblical way? Do we say, let them be broken, or do we say, let them be whole in the name of Jesus? You know, we maybe can't change the world at once, but we can start by loving and caring for people as Jesus, our Messiah, does. We can't change the world on a macro level, maybe, but we can change the world in each of us on a micro level. What is the Lord asking of us today through this song of Mary? Is it, is it a change of heart? Is maybe a change of attitude within us? Is it a change of lifestyle? Is it a change in how we watch the nightly news? Is it a change of how we view the world and those whom God has created in his image? It's okay to, to, you know, to seek after the Lord and to ask God what he is going to do next. But perhaps we should ask ourselves that question as well. What are we going to do next? And may the Holy Spirit speak to each of us uh, about that. May the Lord change our hearts through Isaiah's prophecy, through Mary's song, and of course the example of of Jesus. That's what really needs to happen. In closing and in the midst of it all, may we join Mary in her song of praise. And I want to invite you all to stand and join me with this as we uh, we're going to say verses 47 and 48 together of, of Mary's song here before we pray. Let's say these words together. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. The mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before you this morning during this time of this Christmas season. And um, we realize that there's a lot of pomp and circumstance connected with this month and this time of year. Um, Lord, it's wonderful one of my favorite times of the year, as it is for many. It brings back many memories. It brings back reminders of our faith and what you have done for us and for our world. But Lord, I pray that we might remember these words of Mary this morning. And how Jesus' life reflected them as he came and lived here among us in this world. And Lord, as we, as we proclaim 
and and say that we are followers of Jesus. Help us to to think about how that may change the way that we view our world and the people in it. Help us to love as God loves and as Jesus loves. And Lord, help us to have uh, tender hearts towards other people. And uh, perhaps... Uh, approach the world and approach our situations in in humility uh, before other people. And Lord, we we do pray that you would allow us to allow the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives to help us to know what we need to do, what we should do next, or maybe what we need to change in our own life um, to fulfill this call of this upside-down kingdom here in this world. Lord, I just uh, pray for each one here this morning. I pray that your your blessing would go out with us into this world. And uh, Lord, as we continue to to move through this this Advent season and, and we get closer to Christmas, I pray that you would continue to remind us daily uh, of your love for us first and foremost, uh, but of your love for all people in this world. And we pray all of this in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless everyone. Have a great week ahead.